So that's when I said, put that away. <laughs> oh, oh. Welcome to Musically Challenged, your weekly helping of random music conversations based on whatever topic the guys choose. Their goal is to entertain and inform you on a variety of themes. This podcast is an expression of their lifelong love and commitment to music. Simply stated, music is life. This show may include adult themes and language. Once again, welcome to Musically Challenged. Here are your hosts, Chad and Lou. So, welcome to episode 87 of Musically Challenged, your heap and helping of music, trivia, and whatever else we want to talk about this week. I'm your host, Lou Schwalbach, and along with me, as is always, Chad Knight. Hey, how's it going, sir? Pretty good. So this episode, we're going to continue an earlier series where we talked about songs with a commonality in their title. And I slowed down because I was about to fuck up what I was about to say, and it worked. This week, we're doing contractions. Not like the labor contractions, because neither one of us are physically able to do that. Or like, you know, what's that? Um, birth contractions. Right. And Because neither one of us are physically able to do right. that either. I mean, I'm sure you've seen that machine that they put, like, for the guy to try it. They put those pads on you. Yeah. I'll take a pass, thanks. That wasn't around when I had my kids, so. So, so by definition, in the English language per dictionary.com, a contraction is a shortened form of a word or group of words with the omitted letters often replaced in written English by an apostrophe. And in spoken English, by silence. Right. And they give examples of like isn't, which compl- which is a combination of is and not, or won't, which is will and not, but that's kind of a fucked up one. Yeah, it is. Or like department is shortened to D-E-P apostrophe T. I didn't think that was a contraction. That's I didn't know just... there was a, an apostrophe in it. No, I. but in any respect. So if you thought there were a lot of songs when we talked about you and me... You're in for it, because the human mind can almost not fathom how many contraction songs there are out there. I mean, really. It's not It's not just don't, can't, won't, but there's also I'm, he's, she's, and that's just a quick rundown. Don't, and, and don't forget ain't. Mm, oh, well, yeah. So just like before, it's going to be really difficult to pare down to five songs that we both like enough to beat out the other ones. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking we may have to do a volume two because we passed on a lot of good songs. We did. So there won't be any genre or artist restrictions, so this could very well be all across the board. I've got nothing clever to say, so just sit back while we get this show started. <laughs> you ran out of clever shit, huh? Uh, for this one, at least, because, I mean, how can you make... It's like making something funny about English. I know Scott probably could, but then again, he probably thinks it's funny, but it's really not. That's a possibility. I, I want to point out here, Scott, that Lou said that, not me. I'm saying that as a teacher, as a regular guy that we hang out with, you're friggin' hilarious. Way to backpedal. Way to backpedal. I do what I can. So, how are things? Things are good. You? Uh, not too shabby. I'm I'm happy the, the weather is still getting kind of cooler. Um, yeah. I don't think we lost as much with the hurricane that they were calling for, so that's good. I uh, I wish it was cooler in my basement tonight. It does seem a little bit warm in here. Yeah. So, But that is also a reason that we can drink. Hey, drinking. Segway. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, so I brought it this week, and because it's getting to be that time of year, I have Lakefront Brewery out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin's Pumpkin Lager. You know, I've had some really good pumpkin beers. I've had some really bad pumpkin beers. This you make one, me sad. You can smell the spices. Yes, you can. Um, this is a lager brewed with real pumpkin and spice. 
Uh, bottled by Lakefront Brewery, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 12 ounces. And I don't believe it says what the percent is on here. But I thought I saw that. Maybe not. Years. Um, no, so we'll just assume it has no alcohol in it. So that's good. That's my favorite kind of alcoholic drink. Exactly. So, And the Lakefront Brewery was established in 1987, just like Guns N' Roses. There you go. All right. So, want to give it a run? I do, but... I'm intrigued by the smell, and I don't want to taste it because I, w- I don't want the, the, the intriguedness to go away. But let's do it. All right. Ooh. I'm not tasting the pumpkin as much, but I'm definitely tasting the spices. I'm Ooh, tasting the now pumpkin. I am. It's on the back. Now I am. Yep. This is like this is like having a pumpkin pie without the whipped cream. It's The back end is where you get all of it. I like this. I I'm, think this turned out pretty good. And I'm struggling right now. I'm gonna see how it turns out at the end. So this is gonna be this is gonna be a temporary. I think all of our beers from now on, from now on are gonna be temporary. Yeah. But so far on first glance or first drink, I'm a fan. It's, I can tell you're not because you got I, that line of sweat coming in your forehead. You're like, this is bullshit. <laughs> I don't. You don't hate it, but you don't love it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm undecided. But let's go ahead and vote. Obviously, you probably know what I'm gonna say here. But like we said, I can change it. All right. And I'm going up. I'm going bar. All right. So this is, as always, we have made the rules and it's our show. So if you don't like it, fuck off. If we want to change it, we're going to change it. Yeah, what he said. At least the fuck off part. (laughs) All right. So we are up to the point where I am three and four and you get to ask a trivia question. That is true. Let's see what we got for you this week. Now, like always, I used one of the artists from the list this week. And I was even nicer. And I used one of the artists from your list. Okay. So... Who sued MC Hammer for not crediting their song as a sample in You Can't Touch This? Okay. So one more time. I I appreciate you giving me an underhand pitch every now and then. Oh, you know this one. Uh, It's part of what I wrote. Oh, God. Really? So, yes, I have a... Hey, you've got... That happened to us a couple times. So, for the people out there, who sued MC Hammer for not crediting their song as a sample in You Can't Touch This? So, we'll do it at the end Mm -hmm. just to keep, uh, keep everything the way we always do it. Fair enough. All right. So I'm going to stew and ruminate on that for a little while. Fair enough. And what do you say you get started? I will start this off, actually. I'm going to start this off with Ain't Too Proud to Beg by The Temptations. It's a 1966 song and hit single by The Temptations for Motown Records' Gordy label. Produced by Norman Whitfield and written by Whitfield and Edward Holland Jr., the song's peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Pop Chart and was a number one hit on the Billboard R&B charts for eight non-consecutive weeks. The song's success in the wake of the relative underperformance of the previous Temptations single, Get Ready, resulted in Norman Whitfield replacing Smokey Robinson, producer of Get Ready, as the Temptations' main producer. I'll go ahead. What the hell, dude? I only I only. No, no, I understand it. you're just reading it, but you can tell by the look on my face... Get Ready was a great damn song. It was. It was. But it did underperform. It, it was not a big hit, but... Because we were stupid, apparently, back then. Well, somebody was. I wasn't around in 66. Well, you were a twinkle in your dad's eye, probably. Not even. Anyway, in 2004, it finished number 94 in AFI's 100 Years, 100 Songs poll, thanks to its inclusion on the Big Chill soundtrack. The Rolling Stones recorded the song for their album, It's Only Rock and Roll, in 1974. They also released it as a single, which reached Billboard's Hot 100 Singles chart. Phil Collins covered the song in the Ultimate 25-track edition of the album, Going Back, which was released in 2010. 
I ain't too proud to beg you to listen to this. This slightly longer than 2 minute and 30 second song is a real nice 60s jive. Simply a guy asking his girl to stay and he ain't too proud to break her to either. Classic 60s feel and the music from the 60s I really like to listen to. Motown had a great lineup of singers and bands. This one just kind of makes you jive a little in your seat and make me think of bands all dressed alike and looking pretty formulated. It's a classic time in music history. What are your thoughts? You know, and this is a classic Motown song by one of the best groups of all time. It's a good soulful love song that I knew the song, but it wasn't quite sure what the title was. Okay. Don't have a whole lot to say about it. Fair enough. Let's move on to your first one, Break the Ice. My first song is You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Okay. So Stanley K. Burrell, or Burrell? Burrell, I think. All right. Uh, better known to the world as MC Hammer, co-wrote You Can't Touch This for the release of the single off of his 1990 album, Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him. I think all of his albums were some kind of Hammer-related cleverness. Joke, yeah. Yeah. The song is arguably most famous for sampling Rick James's Super Freak uh, extensively throughout the song, which is why the song was listed as co-written. And the reason is, is because Rick James sued, and Hammer gave him and Alonzo Miller, I don't know who that is, but co-writing credits and all the funds that came along with it. You know what? And here's the thing. The song was first performed for the public on a 1989 episode of the Arsenio Hall show. Do you remember that? I do remember the Arsenio Hall show. I don't remember seeing this, but... And because Arsenio Hall was a friend of MC Hammer. It's basically just a chest-puffing a chest puffing rap song that's as fun to listen to it now as it was back then. It really is. It's a, it's a fun, clean rap song. It's like Will Smith rap, you know? Clean, you can let your grandma listen to it, yep. you know, which she probably is by now. Well, but... MC Hammer nowadays... Is a pastor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in the time when gangster rap was just starting to emerge, Hammer kept it clean and just rocked the mic. Now, let's not forget about all the cultural things that Hammer and the video popularized. Stop Hammer Time, of course. You Can't Touch This. And, of course, The Running Man and The Hammer Dance. But mostly, it was the pants, man. The Hammer Pants. Just wow. I, did you have a pair? Let me get to that. Okay. Well, why don't we go ahead and see if you can't touch this. All right, so what do you think? All right, so first of all, nostalgia, plain and simple. MC Hammer to me is like that thing that you hide in the back of your closet because you don't want your mom to find it, and you're kind of embarrassed by it, but you still like it. Now, question number one for you, Lewis, did you have the Hammer Pants? I did not. I also didn't have any Zubas either. Okay. I was a jeans and sweatpants type person. Question number two. Did you have a fade hairdo? No, I kept my, I had a MacGyver haircut. Okay. I mean, I had parted down the center. I had a mullet. And final question, did you ever say, you can't touch this to anyone? Not seriously. Okay. Um, I didn't really play sports because I know that was big. That was all the time, kind of like um, get ready for this and like, like jock jams type stuff. So really I didn't have a reason to. 
So, no, I don't believe I really did. Okay, so I have always liked this song. And to answer my own questions. I was wondering if you were going to get to that. I had a pair of homemade hammer pants that my mom made for me. Awesome. Not really, but she tried. So I give her props for that. Did not have a fade haircut. I also had, I rocked the mullet back in the day. And did I ever say you can't touch this to someone? Yeah, I have. It's it's never serious, mm-hmm. but I have said that. I think the stop hammer time I might have said a couple times, <laughs> but ironically, probably, but like whoa 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 stop hammer time. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like I said, it's just nostalgia. It's it's fun and it's one of those songs that I cannot hear that song for five years and then you hear it and you know all the words. I wouldn't go that far, but I remember the Hammerman cartoon. They had a Saturday morning cartoon with Hammerman that his pants did, like, musical notes, and, yeah, I'm not even kidding. Oh, my God, that's got to be on YouTube. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, look up Hammerman, and it it was a likeness of him, and he had, like, magical music powers and shit. Magical music powers? Yep. Nice, nice. Shall we move on? We shall. So, what is your next? Uh, My next is I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. It's a power ballad performed by Aerosmith. Uh, for the 1989 film Armageddon, which Steven Tyler's daughter Liv Tyler starred in. Written by Diane Warren, the song debuted at number one on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, and the first number one for the band after 28 years together. That was kind of an interesting thing. I would have figured they had a number one before that, but... Look what came between, though. I mean, they kind of blew their wad in the 70s. Yeah, true, true. So it's one of the three songs performed by the band for the film, the other two being What Kind of Love Are You On and Sweet Emotion. The song stayed at number one for four weeks in September 1998. The song also stayed at number one for several weeks in other countries. It sold over one million copies in the UK and reached number four on the UK singles chart. In 1997, Diane Warren was watching Barbara Walters interview James Brolin and Barbara Streisand. Brolin said he missed Streisand when they were asleep. Were they a couple? For a while, yeah. I never, I did not know that. And Warren wrote down the words, I don't want to miss a thing, before there was even a song. Now, don't you miss this song. Now, when I first heard it, recalled drummer Joey Kramer, it was just a demo with piano and singing. It was difficult to imagine what kind of a touch Aerosmith could put on it and make it our own. As soon as we began playing it as a band, then it instantly became an Aerosmith song. This is one of the songs I really can't say why I like it. It just calls to and all, calls to me and always has. I like the older Aerosmith stuff a whole lot more than the stuff they have put out since mm, the late 90s, maybe. I just love this song. Not even a fan of the movie Armageddon. I'm not even sure if I've ever seen the movie Armageddon. Shut your dirty mouth. I'm serious. I'm serious. It's... Oh my God. Did you see Independence Day at least? I did. Well, at least you didn't miss out on all the summer blockbusters in the late 90s. <laughs> like, I say, like I say here, sorry, Bruce, but I didn't really see the draw to the movie. I mean, it was a space rock movie. The song, on the other hand... Better has... than Deep Impact. Never saw that either. Oh, good. Uh, on the other hand, this has a very much drawn drawn me in, this song. So, what are your thoughts of the song? You know, and you misspoke earlier and said it was an arrow miss. I would agree. 
I did? Yes. And when you were speaking, you were trying to say Aerosmith, but you said Aeromiss. Yeah, that for me, this song is an absolute miss. I know they wanted a power ballad, but the song came off as whiny and unlikable. You're Cu- wrong. Coupled with the fact that they played the death out of this damn they song on the radio, didn't, didn't help anything. I even have it written here, oh, how the mighty have fallen with this song. Well, I think you're going a little hard on this. No, I am not, because this song, not a big fan at all. Now, the movie, on the other hand, I enjoyed the movie because it's it's a summer popcorn movie. It really is. Owen Wilson, Michael Clark Duncan, um, shit, who else? Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck. Um, Liv Tyler. Liv Tyler, and there's plenty of Billy Bob Thornton. Plenty of people in this movie. they got an all-star cast. The soundtrack, hit or miss. But again, it's a, I saw that in the theater because it was like 97 or something. Mm-hmm. And it was a popcorn movie, just like Independence Day. It was a popcorn movie. Is it a great movie? No. Was it heavy on plot? No. But it was just a fun movie. So, okay, I might have to give it a look. I know this I, is going to surprise you, but... You own it? I own it. I've seen bits and pieces of it, and maybe I've just seen the wrong part. Steve Buscemi. But you said Michael Clark Duncan. That really draws me in. I really like Michael Clark Duncan. He was an amazing actor. It's a shame that we yeah, lost him. Yeah. All right, so what do you got next? I'm going to try to redeem our contractions and go with a little bit of The Who. We've got Won't Get Fooled Again by The Who. And again, this is a won't, which is will not instead of like willn't, which actually when I was in elementary school, that was the one I got wrong in like third grade or something. Okay. Because I said willn't, and my dad is like, really? Willn't? You're like, makes sense to me. It, well, exactly. My third grade brain's like, what the fuck? It's fine. <laughs> but anyways, Won't Get Fooled Again is a Pete Townshend pen tune that was a single off of the Who's fifth studio album, Who's Next, from 1971. Yeah. It peaked at number 9 in the UK on the charts and number 15 on the US Billboard Hot 100. The song features a heavy dose of synthesizer and was originally part of his Lifehouse project. Now, the rock opera about a future that sees people enslaved but freed by a rock concert. I'd go see it. I want to know what Pete was smoking. <laughs> what wasn't he smoking? What, okay. what, whatever he wasn't was picked up by Keith Richards. There you go. So Lifehouse didn't come to fruition, but most of the songs are what made up Who's Next, including this gem of a song. In 2006, the National Review put this song at the top of its 50 greatest conservative rock songs. Townshend replied it's not specifically calling for a revolution, just stating that when it happens, it will often have unexpected results. Fair enough. Let's go ahead and take a quick listen to Won't Get Fooled Again. The song is simply classic Who. That should be on anyone's greatest hits for a Who playlist. It really should. It is one of their greatest songs. Um, you'll need to invest yourself, though, because the album version is nearly nine minutes long. The radio edit that Roger Daltrey hated, by the way, is a little bit over three. Like all songs, it's been covered a lot, but what I didn't know is that Van Halen covered it as part of their 1993 live, uh, their album Live Right Here, Right Now, and it sounds pretty decent with Eddie replacing synthesizers with the guitar. Okay. The That version went to number one on the Billboard Album Rock Tracks chart. Um, a part of Won't Get Fooled Again made it to the opening theme for 2002 Turd of a Show, CSI Miami. 
Because apparently the sound guy for CBS and CSI loved The Who. Right. Because all of their shows had Who songs. Last note about the song, apparently rabble-rousing tubagoo Michael Moore wanted Whoa. to use it as part of his documentary, finger quotes, Fahrenheit 9-11, but Townshend refused, saying Michael Moore was a bully. Good for you, Pete. Newfound respect right there. Have you watched Fahrenheit 9-11? I have no ambition to. I don't know why, but I ended up seeing it, and it is garbage. You know, the only thing I ever watched of his was because we watched it in school, we watched Michael and Me. Oh, okay. About um, the motor company in, in Detroit. It was decent. I mean, this was before he got his head up the Democrats' ass, so he was actually a journalist. You know, I saw. I also saw Bowling for Columbine, and... There's another one, Sicko, that he... I don't know. I, those are like the two I've seen, and, you know, even though Bowling for Columbine had... I mean, it was decent coverage of what happened in Colorado. It didn't impress me. As, as a documentary maker, he's... he He's lacking. Very much. Yeah. So, anyways, what are your thoughts of Won't Get Fooled Again? Well, that guitar intro. We've talked about how much I love guitars in the past, and that guitar intro with the reverb, reverb from hell is absolutely awesome. It gives you goosebumps, man. I'll tell you what. And I don't care how long it lasts, because it lasts for a long time. You almost get hypnotized by it, and then it's gone. But anyway, then the CSI theme starts in, and it's instant recognition. However, the same thing can be said about this Who song as any other. What the hell are they singing about? Not getting fooled again? Okay, what fooled them the first time? It just doesn't make much sense to me. I still like the song, don't get me wrong, because music doesn't have to make sense to be good. That's one of the great things about music. Love it, enjoy it. If it speaks to you, great. If it's just good music, that works too. Good song. All right, so what's next for you? Next, for me, we are going to go with Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. And this is featured on their 1978 album, Jazz, that was released as a single in 1979. Written by lead singer Freddie Mercury, it was recorded in August 1978. Musically, the song builds on Mercury's piano playing, with John Deacon and Roger Taylor providing a bass guitar and drums backing track. The song also provides an example of Queen's trademark style of multi-track harmony vocals for the chorus lines. The song also appears in the band's 1981 compilation album, Greatest Hits, and in June 2011 as part of Queen's 40th anniversary celebrations, and an old take of the song containing more guitar parts was included on the bonus EP of the re-released and remastered jazz album. In 2005, the song was voted as the greatest driving song ever by viewers of the BBC television program Top Gear. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. The song was included in the list of songs for use in the 1980 Summer Olympics held in Moscow, and it was released in the Soviet Union that same year alongside Queen's Jealousy single. In 2015, the electronics company Alba conducted a survey of 2,000 UK adults, which asked respondents to name their favorite uplifting song, and Don't Stop Me Now was the most popular response. Lou, Don't Stop Me Now, I'm playing this clip! Look at me go! This is one of those Queen songs that starts as subtle as anything Freddie ever did and builds into a frenzy of guitars and piano and vocals. I know I've said this many times before, Freddie Mercury is an amazing talent and it was 
Too bad we was taken from us in 1991. I was barely starting to figure out what music was about and what it meant to me, and one of the greatest performers and voices of my time was snatched away. Back in the day when I used to do karaoke, I did one Queen song, and that was Crazy Little Thing Called Love. I was actually pretty good at it. However, Don't Stop Me Now is just a fun song. High energy, and I really, really like it. And I was listening to the radio when I was driving home today, and there was a survey done recently. This is supposedly the one song that makes everybody happier, according to the study. But anyway, what are your thoughts on this? You know, and this song starts off quiet, and it just explodes. I mean, it goes in there. It's a really fun song to listen to. And as you mentioned before, I would say this is a mood enhancer. I mean, it'll put you in a good mood, even if you're not one already. It doesn't hurt that the song was featured in the zombie comedy Shaun of the Dead either. Okay. And just, they're all, it's, you, you see Sean, the, whatever the girlfriend is, and Nick, and then I think whoever else it was, beating on a zombie with their respective, like, cricket bats and, and sticks and everything else, and they're beating in time to the rhythm. Okay. And, I, I don't know if you've seen it or not. I have not seen Shaun of the Dead. It is on my list of things that I want to see, but I have not seen it yet. It's like two movies that we that are need to be added to our list. Right. Um, you know, if we ever actually get around to this watching movies, we're both going to have to take a month off of work. This is going to be something where if we get, like, a short-term disability, like, one of us gets hurt and be like, <laughs> hey, I got nothing better to do. Let's watch movies. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, it's it's a good song. This is a really great song. Um, you mentioned he was taken away from us. I didn't realize it was that late. Yeah, it was 91. And I don't mean to be cold about it, but I'm kind of glad that he was gone when he did because I didn't want him to... What did they say in Dark Knight? Live long enough to be the villain or whatever? I have a feeling that... That could have happened. It could have happened. Not so much the vilify part of it, but more so the his tone and his song style could have changed. Possibly. And had it gone down, we would have a a like a shitty version of what he was. You know, I'd rather remember him on top. Like, like the die soon and leave a good-looking corpse or whatever. <laughs> you know, die early and leave good music legacy. Right. But nobody wants for anybody to go the way that he did, though. So no, absolutely that, not. that is unfortunate. All right, so what do you got next? Next, I have Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue. Now, this song was co-written by Rob Davis and Kathy Dennis, who have also written a bunch of songs for her, as well as other artists like the Spice Girls, Katy Perry, the S7 Club, another Simon Fuller group. This hit was included on Kylie's 2001 album Fever and is considered her signature song. Now, didn't you do a Kylie Minogue song for a Christmas episode? Uh, I think either it was uh, Santa Baby or, um, I think it was Santa Baby. Yeah, I think it was. Okay. Now, as it's a club song, um, it's not really expected to be deep or anything like that. It's Lyrically, it's absolutely not. She's singing about the fact that her guy's in her head and he won't leave because she's jonesing for him. Pretty, pretty straightforward. That's really it. We're going to go ahead and just take a quick listen to this one, and then we'll go into a little bit more about it. The video has Kylie dressed in a very tight-fitting outfit, and in some parts of it has her driving a sweet classic sports car, a De Tomaso Mangusta. And before you ask, no, I had no fucking clue that was offhand. I had to look it up. Now, the song is good as a pop club dance song, but there's only one other thing I have to say about the video. That ass. 
I'm not a butt guy, but that oh, that outfit she's wearing, that white thing, especially when she turns around and does like the little mini twerk. Yeah, and, and oh, like I said, I am not a butt guy, but oh my god, <laughs> worth the watch right there. It's a good song too. It played the hell on the radio, but it's still a good song. So it's a fun song, and Kylie Minogue is not hard to look at. It's a fun little dance song. I don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's not rocket surgery to understand what the song is about. Like you said, she can't get them out of her head. End of story. The song itself is kind of math to me until you add in the video. Mm-hmm. Dad ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> yeah, let's move on. What do you got next? Up next, I have I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. It was released in April 1989 as the lead single from his first solo album, Full Moon Fever. The song was written by Petty and Jeff Lynn, his writing partner for the album. It reached number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 and topped, topped the album rock tracks chart for five weeks. So 40% of the Wilburys. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> Starting the, the album's road to multi-platinum status. Petty recalled the recording of the song to Mojo Magazine. At the session, George Harrison sang and played the guitar. I had a terrible cold that day, and George went to the store and bought, bought a ginger root, boiled it, and had me stick my head in the pot to get the ginger steam to open up my sinuses. And then I ran in, and I did the take. So think about that. He was sick as a dog when he cut this song. That kind of tells you what kind of a, of a showman he was. Well, not only that, but now I kind of want to try gin- like steamed ginger root and see if it right? actually works. A message of defiance against unnamed forces of difficulty and possibly oppression, the lyric is set against a mid-tempo beat. While I know what's right, I got just one life. In a world that keeps on pushing me around, but I'll stand my ground and I won't back down. Due to its themes, the song was played often on American radio following the September 11th attacks. Petty and the Heartbreakers played a quiet but resolute version of the song at the America, a tribute to heroes, telethon following the 2001 attacks. In the 2007 documentary Running Down a Dream, Petty said that he felt some initial hesitation about releasing the song given its clear and unabashed message. But don't back down from this snippet. So the opening guitar licks that open this song are unmistakable. I think it's amazing that Tom Petty and George Harrison of the Beatles fame were friends. They were both amazing musicians. I know Lou's not a huge fan of Tom Petty's vocals overall, but hey, he was part of the Wilburys. The in-your-face feeling of this song is great. What can I say? I like it a lot. Lou, your rebuttal? You know, and it's not even so much a rebuttal. I enjoy the song. It's a nice little ditty about being who you are and not knuckling under despite the pressure. I remember in college we did, in our dorm, we actually had every RA and every staff member pick a song. And I made the CDs for everybody out of it. And this was one of our, uh, like, I, I can't remember what his name was, but this is one of the players' songs because he didn't he basically got pushed around a bunch he's like i'm not backing down so i mean it's it's a good message for anybody really and i can see how they made it be uh related to you know america during the 2001 which we just relatively recently celebrated i don't want to say celebrated but 17 years 17 years yeah i mean and think about it it's as fresh in your mind today as it was 17 years ago oh absolutely i can tell you exactly where i was and what was going on at the time i can tell you exactly where i was when i saw it 
you know, but that's a conversation for another time. Yeah, absolutely. That would that would take up way too much time. Well, not only that, but they're kind of harsh or mellow here, dude. Yeah, it would. <laughs> what do you got next? Next, we've got She's Not There by the Zombies. Now, the song was written by the Zombies keyboardist Ron Argent, who later went on to go solo and form the band Argent, who had the hit song Hold Your Head Up, which I'm sure you've heard of. Hold your head up. Yep. Hi. Exactly. Yeah. It also recorded the original version of God Gave Rock and Roll to You, the song that Kiss did the, yeah. from Bill and Ted. Yeah. Argent originally did that one. Really? Did not know that. Did not either. Um, it was included in a single in the Zombies' 1965 debut album, Begin Here. I think that's a good title, actually. Yeah. Um, anyhow, the song was based on John Lee Hooker's song, No One Told Me. Who, John Lee Hooker's another great artist. Yeah, he is. Uh, the singer is dealing with a chick he can't trust and gives some of his friends a hard time for not warning him ahead of time. Dude, you're an adult. Seriously. you don't. Who's going to hold your hand in any respect? This would be considered an oldie, but it's a great song. Uh, it's got excellent guitar and keyboard work, and the vocals just seem mysterious, which works well for a band called The Zombies. This is one of those songs, when it comes on, I can't help but leave the station and not touch it. Yeah. You know, so let's go ahead and see if she truly is not there while uh, I try to come up with a better intro because that was terrible. Well, let me tell you about the way she looked, the way she acted, the color of her hair. Her voice was soft and cool, her eyes were clear and bright, but she's not there. So th- throw me a freaking bone here. <laughs> so. I <laughs> ah, got you, little fucker. <laughs> We've been trying to catch a damn... A gnat. Yeah, a little gnat in my basement here all all episode, and Lou finally got it. So, but right not with, of, But not with chopsticks. Oh, no, you're not that good. That would have been pretty epic, though. <laughs> so, right out of the 60s. The song... It, it's a song of lost love. I also find it interesting that the zombies were abandoned in the 60s. This is a pretty... You, you know, in the 60s, zombies, I didn't know that was a thing, you know? Now, if you had a group out called zombies, everybody would be like, okay... Well, because there's the zombie renaissance. Everybody thinks zombies are cool. It's like, you know, there's always some thing that's the it thing. Right. But uh, it's a pretty standard 60s fare as far as, you know, pop music went. Good song and really a fun named band for the time. I don't really have a whole lot to say about it. So let's move on then. What is your last? All right. So my last one is Don't Cry by Guns N' Roses. It's a power ballad by the hard rock band, two versions of which were released simultaneously on different albums. The version with the original lyrics is the fourth track on the Use Your Illusion 1 album, while the version of the alternate lyrics is the 13th track on the Use Your Illusion 2 album. So I am talking about, well, I guess I'm talking about the song, and they don't really separate when they talk about the song as far as regular lyrics versus alternative lyrics. So, But how are they different, though? Um, the verses are worded differently. Okay. So we'll get to that. Only the vocal tracks differ, and even then, only in the verse. However, in those verses, not only are the words entirely different, but the meter and melody are also slightly different. So I had to sit and listen to both songs like three times. So you'd have to be a music file really to kind of pick up on it. Yes, absolutely. There's also a third version officially released only on the single for the song, which was recorded during Appetite for Destruction sessions in 1986. Stradlin and Rose wrote the song with the working title, Don't You Cry Tonight, makes sense, in March 1985, shortly after Guns N' Roses was formed. Don't Cry features Shannon Hoon of Blind Melon as co-lead vocalist. Hoon sings an octave higher than Rose, and his voice is placed further back in the mix. 
Along with estranged and November rain, it forms a narrative inspired in part by the short story Without You by Del James. I don't know the story. I don't. I was thinking Without You by Motley Crue. <laughs> that would have been funnier. Yeah, yeah, it would have. The song peaked at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming the band's fifth top 10 hit there. So don't cry and listen to this. Now, you might be asking yourself, why do the alternate lyrics? I could come up with all sorts of subtleties or reasons. I could fabricate stories as to why. The truth? You want to know the truth? You had Illusion 2 recently handy, and you didn't have Illusion 1. I got laid to the alternate lyrics. Okay. There you go. I do really like the power ballads of GNR. I know Lou says Axel should never sing when not doing his trademark scream. I disagree. Oh, and that vocal hold at the end of the song? All Axel, no machines. Just good music. What are your thoughts on this one? As many packs of cigarettes as that fucker smokes, I don't know how the hell he pulled that off. He probably had to relax for about six months afterwards after that. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I've heard the song live, and he can't do it live. But supposedly it was recorded. You know, live he runs around the stage so damn much, I wouldn't expect him to be able to hold it. Well, yeah. But anyway, what are your thoughts? So, I didn't know there were alternative lyrics, but to be fair, I didn't really care. I mean, I get you know how I feel about Illusion 1 and 2. 2 is the superior. I never bought number 1 because there's like two songs on it that I even gave a shit about. And it wasn't worth... So buying. you've always listened to the alternate lyrics. Pretty much, yeah. So <laughs> I wouldn't know otherwise. This isn't one of my favorite songs. It's a skippable song. Then again, I'm not a huge fan, as you mentioned, of the ballads or of Axel trying to sing slower. When he gets rock and roll, when he gets hard, when he gets loud, that is Axl Rose. He is hard, rock, loud. Those... That's it right there. I mean, they'd be like trying to listen to ACDC do a ballad. I don't think it would work at all. No, and they didn't really do much for power ballads, did they? They did some slower songs. Right. But they weren't even ballads. They had nothing to do with love, at least not like romantic love. It was more like dirty, sweaty monkey love. (laughs) And now that image is in your mind. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's an all right song. Uh, The video is... uh, it's typical Guns N' Roses 90s video. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. I mean, the soft filters on the edge, this one, you know, a lot of white in there, a lot of Axel looking all sad and shit. Yeah. Just doesn't do it for me. I'm going to I'm gonna flip over to Civil War or, or You Could Be Mine or Get in the Ring or one, of the other, or one of the other ones on there that I think is more successful. Okay, fair enough. So what are you going to wrap us up with? Speaking of hard rock, I'm going to go ahead and throw out a little hailstorm for you. We're going to go ahead and put It's Not You. You know, I'd never heard this song before doing this, and... Are you sure? Because I know I we talked, like, that was, like, our first episode, like, women, in, or first, one of our first, like, Women in Rock or mm-hmm. whatever. You didn't listen to any more Hailstorm? Well, I did, but I hadn't heard this song. Okay, because it's, like, the first track on the album. Oh, see, I always just do the YouTube playlist. Oh, okay, because I, I, I've never... I've, I know I've lent you that before, and yeah. it's the first track on the goddamn album. Is it? Anyway, <laughs> I... Found it very funny, is what I was getting so, at. All right, so this hard rock song is the second single released off of Hailstorm's self-titled debut in 2009. Would that be Hailstorm? It would be. This is a love-slash-anti-love song, which is kind of an F you to a now X. She's singing about how she's got this great new somebody that completes her and is awesome, and, oh, by the way, 
It's not you. Fucking brutal. It's it's not you, so okay, bye. I fucking love Hailstorm. A former friend of mine got me into them when I was still living down in Iowa, and I am forever thankful. Um, the album is start to finish amazing. This is one of those that you can't not listen to and just be entertained by it. And a lot of their songs are dealing with sex, which is always not a bad thing, and they're slightly veiled, but not always. Again, as I mentioned, great album. There's hardly a dog on it. I don't say that very lightly, because even bands that I consider my favorites, you have to skip a song here and there. Oh, yeah. Um, as much of a Van Halen fan as I am, the first album is nearly perfect, but I don't care for Little Dreamer. But then we have 1984, on the other hand, with Jump and whatever else. Perfect. Start to finish. You cannot say bad about that one. But anyways, moving on. No, I really enjoyed this song. It's it's just got that trademark. You know, again, it's kind of like a, hey, guess what? Fuck off. So you got more. You killed one and now its friends are coming after us? Apparently. So let's just go ahead and take a listen to It's Not You and see what Chad has to say. So I had written out kind of what you had said. I'm in love with somebody, somebody who completes me. Oh, yeah, it's not you. It's just fucking brutal. I love the music, and, of course, Lizzie Hale has an amazing voice. And looks hot as shit. Well, yes, but it's not about the looks. It's about the voice. But it doesn't hurt. Agreed. I just had a blast listening to and and feeling the song. I have a, I love a, I find a subtle humor in the music they do. They just like to throw the swerve in their music, and I, re- I do really enjoy it. Now, remind, or tell me if I'm wrong here, but her brother is in the band, right? Yes. I don't know, but I have to ask. Do you think maybe sometimes the songs his sister is singing might make the whole experience a little uncomfortable? Probably, or not probably, but maybe until they get the royalty check, and then I'm sure it's probably over it. <laughs> Good point. It, it's a great song. I can't say anything bad about this one. Uh, this is a band that I really want to see live. I would be down for that. I mean, if they came anywhere close, I would be absolutely in line to go see them. Yeah, I I would be right there with you. All right, so let's wrap this up. Let's jump back to trivia and see uh, if you get this one right. I will read the question again. Who sued MC Hammer for not crediting their song as a sample in You Can't Touch This? Let's see. That would be... um... I'm Rick James, bitch. (laughs) Enjoy yourself. Yes, it was Rick James, as I mentioned before. Apparently, it was Super Freak, which everybody recognizes that hook. I mean, honestly, I knew the MC Hammer one before I knew the actual Super Freak song. Right. Probably because that was kind of the era more that I was listening to music in. And Super and Super Freak's kind of a like a 70s funk disco-ish type song. Yeah. And then, of course, there was a resurgence because of, um, what's his puss? Um, Oh, the comedian, um, Dave Chappelle. Oh. When he did the, you know, the whole Rick James thing and everything else. So they're both great. It's good that they had an amicable um, fix fix without having to be like, well, we settled in court for disclosed amounts. You know what? Bullshit. You guys still hate each other. Yeah. Okay, listen up, everybody. Turn up your volumes. Announcement. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you guys for listening. And if you want to let us know if you like this episode or any of our other episodes, you can do that in a few easy ways. First of all, you can find us on email at eclecticmediaproject at gmail.com. And, of course, you can find us on Facebook at Musically Challenged Podcast or at POI Network. 
drop us a line. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And, of course, there's the final way. There is Twitter. And we've got a Twitter um, account, website. It's not even a site. It's an account that uh, we go ahead and post the episodes on. Send us some love. Send us some hate. We might even throw out a poll or two here and there. If you want to send us a playlist, doesn't matter if it has a, a theme or not, just 10 different songs, 10 different artists. Make sure that if you have a song in mind that you have the backup song in case we need it. We're good, but we're not ever powerful. Right. You know? And actually, I'm going to put a little caveat to what Lou said there. If you want to send us 10 songs that are the same song by 10 different artists, that might be an interesting type of podcast or, uh, episode to do. If you can find one song that is covered by 10 different artists, I implore you to to send that because I think that would be rather interesting. It'd be We wouldn't have much to talk about because it's right. like, so yeah, this song by this artist, it's the same words, but they used a mandolin instead of a guitar, and you can definitely hear the feeling that it implies when it's going through. I concur. <laughs> now let's listen to the other version of it. It's, it would be really hard to talk up, but it would be rather entertaining. So, again, that is your assignment if you're listening, is if you can find ten, one song done by Covered ten, by different, ten artists, different artists and buy a cover. If they change a little bit of the wording, that's fine, but it has to maintain that it is a cover, yes. not same name, different song. Correct. I agree. And with that, thank you guys for listening. And we'll catch you later. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.